0: Welcome to Fast Forward, where we discuss technology, ethics, and the future of humanity with your hosts, Rachel Love and Ben Perry. Each episode starts with a broad topic that we found interesting
1: and explores how it engages with humans and communities in the future.
0: You can expect science news filtered through our woefully amateur lenses.
1: Some strong opinions and hopefully a bit of humor.
0: everyone, and welcome to Fast Forward. I'm Ben. I'm Rachel. And thanks for tuning in. So I thought I'd get things started today by telling a story. Uh, so I was coming home the other night, and I was hungry. <laughs> so I went to <laughs> McDonald's, like you do. Uh, and so I walk in, and I wait in line, and I get up to the register, and I start giving my order, and the cashier says, oh, no, you, you can't order here. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> And she said, oh, no, you have to order at the screens over there. And I said, uh, but, but I'm here. Can't I just tell you my order? And she said, no, 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 no you, have to, you have to go order at the screens over there. And so I went and, you know, ordered at the screens. And it was this moment of just watching this, this woman who is now employed actively conspiring towards her obsolescence. You know, McDonald's has, has employed her and is paying her to sit at this cash register to train the customer to know not to use her. And it was this... That's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I can't. <laughs> it's just like, profoundly alienating experience where we you're talking to this person <laughs> who whose only purpose right now is to make sure that she doesn't exist in a year and a half.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> and it's crazy. And it's one of these moments where I, you know, was hit... Uh, you know, very abruptly with how quickly, you know, uh, food is changing. Mm -hmm. How quickly our experience of eating, of going out to, and this isn't just McDonald's, it's happening in Applebee's, it's happening in, you know, all sorts of fast, casual places. They're trying to, you know, replace humans, which are Mm -hmm. expensive and messy and get people's orders wrong and all sorts of other things with with screens. Uh
1: (laughs) Yeah, wow, wow. I just, yeah, I can't. I would prefer talking to a person if they're standing in front of me, I don't know. I also don't know if I trust screens. I haven't, I haven't used enough of them, I don't think, <laughs> to have, like, have have real feelings towards it. But I think it's particularly
0: uh, interesting when it comes to food, because food is something that, that is so personal. Mm, definitely Tied into community and tied into, I mean, historically, you know, mm-hmm. you know, tied to family, tied to, you know, the experience of eating with one another. And I feel like as, you know, our lives have become increasingly depersonalized and right. increasingly alienated from one another, you see this trend in food as well. I mean, certainly in the history mm-hmm. of, you know, fast food mm-hmm. development, particularly accelerated in, in like the last 15 years as, you know, food has become all about efficiency. Like how quickly can I put calories in my body?
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and we're also just screen dependent and also screen oriented. Um, I think it's so weird. Now there's a lot of airports where you only use the iPad that's sitting in front of you on the table instead of ordering from um, a waiter, which is so interesting because you can't really custom orders that way. Yeah, I get really mad at, the, at Uber Eats um, because, I mean, I love Uber Eats. <laughs> But specifically this example, I get upset because I have a very specific Dos Toros order. And because of the way that it's set up on Uber Eats, I actually can't order the way that I want to. And when I try to add it into the comments, I just get a separate food order instead of them integrating it into my quesadilla. Anyway, <laughs> side story, but screens are annoying because I like to custom order is the goal there. But So all of this
0: has, you know, Rachel and I thinking about just the way that, that food and technology have always been linked to one another. Um, you know, obviously, you know, some of the very first technologies were ways that we could get more food for more people. Like that, right, you
1: know? right. And also just, you know, how do we get tastier, bigger, more nutritious food? That's always been kind of the goal um, for humans. Uh, our ancestors were, you know, have been... Breeding plants and animals, if you will, for thousands of years um, so that they could get something that was more attractive, if you will, as a food source. Um, So, the scary word of genetically modified organisms or GMO um, has been around for a very, very long time. Um, Something like 30,000 years ago, we started um, breeding different species or different breeds of dogs. Um, and recently there's a lot of different food that's on the market. A lot of our produce is genetically modified. There's something like 64 countries that ban or that make companies have to label food. And that's not happening here in the U.S. Um, but something that is happening are the laws and, uh, lobbying bodies that support, um, GMOs and genetically modified food, and also medications um, on the market. And while I was doing some of this GMO research, um, I feel like some of my previous thoughts have kind of changed, um, and I'm really not sure how I feel. Uh, Going into this, I thought that I was staunchly against any GMOs, um, or any, you know, genetically modified food, specifically any that have, um, you know, DNA from one plant or animal uh, injected into another. Uh, But going through kind of different articles and opinion pieces and the research behind it, um, it really depends on what plant you're talking about. Um, and how exactly it's been modified. Um, And there's kind of different conversations and different arguments um, for and against those. I think what was most interesting to me um, is how a lot of folks have been talking about that GMOs are not really where we should be focused in terms of making any kind of like progress or, um, changes to the food industry, because really what the issue is, um, outside of whether or not we're genetically modifying our food, but it's, you know, let's talk about how much control and how much power some of these massive corporations have. Um, you know, I don't think that we could have this conversation without mentioning Monsanto, um, which, very much feels like they're feeding the world um, and are very passionate about that. But there's a lot of folks that are not very happy with them at all. Well, and I feel like part of the problem with GMO is it's one of those
0: categories that's so broad to the point where it becomes mm-hmm. almost useless. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it covers... And, and, you know, obviously there was all the, the GMO backlash that happened, you know, like I think you know largely one of some of these, you know, uh, documentaries about Monsanto yep. and other things started coming out and people started becoming more aware of, mm-hmm. um, oh my God, they're, you know, making genetic modifications to my food and that sounds scary and bad. Right,
1: right, right. Um,
0: you know, people don't talk about you know, things like dwarf wheat, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, so if you, if you don't know, dwarf wheat was this genetic modification to wheat that happened in the, the 50s where all of a sudden they just... Uh, increased the they made the stalks thicker for wheat and mm-hmm. so all of and a sudden shorter. and shorter mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you know wheat could uh carry more wheat than it used to be able to mm-hmm. and it, it, we saved billions of lives because people ate more food mm-hmm. and that's a genetic modification
1: people are eating
0: <laughs> that's positive
1: right <laughs> and so
0: you know when you're lumping something like that in with you know all sorts of other you know weird genetic modifications of you know the, there are all those like weird ones that came out like i mean like like grape- the,
1: Oh, yes. Grapels,
0: like like apples that taste like grapes. And you're like, first of all, not only is that not, you know, actually meaning any meaning, right, it's right, just right, fucking right. weird. And so people <laughs> get strange. freaked by it. Yeah. yeah, And I get that because you don't, because like, you feel uncomfortable. You're mm. like, people are messing with my food and I don't understand it. I don't know how it works and it's making
1: me scared. Right. And I think that is an entirely reasonable reaction to have 100%. when people are messing with your food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think what's also concerning is, there's so many different facets to this conversation and so many facets to the argument for and against genetically modified food, but also just like, can we talk about food just on a global level, but also in the States and just the, you know, In food industrial complex and how these huge corporations are dictating what's in our food, how it's getting there and, you know, what we're eating. Um, You know, I think some of my research, I at this point, I'm really passionate about food and, um, you know, access to food. Uh, and every time I see something where it says it's FDA approved, I just have so many questions <laughs> and so much doubt. Uh, sorry, not sorry, FDA. Uh, it just does not spark confidence. Um, I'm
0: I think t- that's that missing piece. Is that it turns into a science conversation yes. when, when really, in many senses, it should be a conversation about like co- companies and economics and yes. government lobbyists and right. corporate insight. I mean, like mm-hmm. all those things that that don't get lumped in when it just becomes a conversation about you know what is a gmo right right and so people end up you know running around in circles with you know scientists saying well actually genetic modified organisms are responsible for you know all these good things that happen and you know people being legitimately concerned about other things you know and mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. this non productive
1: conversation that's happening because it's not actually the conversation that we need to be having exactly Yeah, and I think that that's kind of what I came to is it just has made me more upset about everything that I was upset about before. But
0: I I really feel like
1: part of it is, you
0: know, if if I had any trust, if I had any faith in the people who are doing food regulation, if I had any trust, if I had any faith in companies like Monsanto, then this would be a different conversation to have. But I don't, and I I don't think anybody should.
1: Right. And I think the other thing is a lot of the research and studies that have been done, Um, On food in general, uh, a lot of times are not coming from independent uh, research groups, but are actually funded by these really huge food corporations that clearly have a bias um that goes for university
0: research too it's not just you know things are putting up by like Like coca-cola.com you look at like an actual like food study by like a food expert Mm -hmm. and then if you look at who's funding you know like the university research program it's like oh, look there it's nestle you know like exactly
1: (laughs) exactly which is crazy and then the other thing with just like gmos in general is, is that there's not enough research or studies that have been done on its effects so i feel like people are just like well, I guess that's safe. No
0: Longitudinally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're flying blind.
1: We are. We <laughs> with are with
0: a map that's provided by, you know, the company that made made the airplane.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll be fine. Just keep going. Yeah.
0: Anyway. So yeah, so you ready to, to rule on GMOs?
1: Ooh. Yes. I'm ready to rule. I, I think that when it comes to specifically transferring and manipulating the dna of either plants or animals or humans that i am thumbs down um although clearly i've been eating genetically modified food that is just very ancient so i guess we're just going to keep eating that um But I don't want to thumbs play. Comes down on the new ones. <laughs> it always comes down to the new ones. I just don't want to play with DNA. <laughs> That's my takeaway. What about you, Ben?
0: So I guess my takeaway is I, I don't have a problem with GMOs. I don't have a problem with the science. I, I, I have a problem with with the companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I, yeah, I'll give a thumbs up to GMOs with with my caveat being that if we're going to be fucking with DNA, yeah. we need to be seriously examining who's. Yes. Doing the fucking
1: doing? for <laughs> <laughs> lack of a better term.
0: Um, Love it. Yes. So okay. that's, that's my, my my takeaway. Cool. Um, so changing gears a little bit, you know, keeping the in the realm of futuristic food, uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about vertical farming. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to set a little bit of context here, uh, the global population is expected to reach 9 billion by 2050. Okay. Which is a lot. That's lot a lot of people. of people. And on top of that... It's estimated that seventy to eighty percent of those people will live in urban centers, so all densely, you know, packed around one another, mm. uh, and usually far from where food is actually being grown, mm-hmm. which is a serious problem when it comes to you know climate change. You're thinking about you Huge. know mm-hmm. how can you you know reduce your carbon footprint uh, when we are shipping food all over the world all the time? Like yeah. that is a very carbon-intensive way to feed people. Yes. Um, and we don't really have a great solution for that. And something I think a lot about living here in New York, I'm like, well, what would happen to New York right. if all of a sudden you weren't able to ship food to the city? So there's Just a breakdown cost. in supply yeah. lines, you know, there's a horrible natural, natural mm. disaster mm. where all of a sudden, you know, the places that we normally get food from all of a sudden aren't able to, you know, ship food to us and New York has to get what? with the Catskills is going to feed us. <laughs> like <this. laughs> Ten million people in this city. Like, where's the food coming from? There's gonna be like Hunger Games fighting in the streets. Oh, definitely,
1: (laughs) definitely. And the other thing is like, that's not a totally radical, like impossibility. No, a hundred percent possible. Look at how New York reacts
0: when there's a snowstorm. (laughs) Like people stabbing each other over a loaf of bread in their Trader Joe's.
1: Yeah, it's real. Or that hurricane. So.
0: To, to deal with, you know, the situation of, of you know, increasing populations, mm-hmm. increasingly concentrated and increasingly away from places that food is grown, but the need to, you know, grow food in ways that is local and is able to feed large quantities of people, one of the yeah. solutions that's often been offered is is vertical farming. So ver- vertical farming, you know, for people who might not know, is is a whole host of different strategies from hydroponics to aeroponics to, you uh, all sorts of other weird and futuristic things. If you just Google it, you'll see all sorts of things that look like they're, you know, taken straight out of a a sci-fi movie and they very much are. Mm -hmm. But the general idea is that instead of just farming, you know, if you're farming outdoors, you have your, you know, an acre of land is an acre of land. If you're farming indoors in a building, you can stack plants on top of Mm -hmm. one another. And so, you know, you can get, I mean, some of the yields that they talk about are, you know, 700 times, you know, the yield in a single acre. And it's not just that, you know, you're able to stack plants on top of one another, but you're also maximizing their growth by, you know, really optimizing their growing conditions. Mm-hmm. And increasingly, this can be done without uh, soil
1: mm-hmm.
0: and actually without even water. So hydroponics, wow. traditionally, the way that you grow, uh, you know, food and vertical farming uh, is by, you know, taking and you sort of stick plants' roots through a, a cloth or cotton membrane. Mm-hmm. And then... In the bottom part, you have a bunch of nutrient-rich water, which you know instead of soil feeds the plant, and the plant grows right. under you know optimal lighting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Increasingly now, they're doing it with uh, nutrient-rich mist. Mist. So yeah, so they've reduced the the water needs by like something like ninety percent. So you can do you can grow food wow. with almost no water, almost no soil, and in these incredibly high yields. Mm-hmm. Which sounds mm-hmm. like exactly the what sounds the like what we need, feature, right? <laughs> So I started digging into it more because yeah. I've, I've literally, the only times I've ever seen this is in like those now this videos where they're like, and they're so growing 700 times <laughs> as much food. And you're like, well, why isn't that happening? Like, why, right, is we, right, why right, are we like right. that Let's everywhere? Yeah, exactly. Like it works great for a two-minute video, right. but then you dig in a little bit deeper, and you're there, like, oh, so right now the only foods we can really grow this way are like leafy greens. Oh, interesting. But like, we could probably do other stuff. And you're like, mm. oh, okay, and then then they're like, well, and then also it requires like a thirty million dollar investment for this one warehouse where we're growing Whoa. the food, and you're like, oh, so how's Africa gonna? Eat? <laughs> right, you know? right. I mean, but for you know, for real, so I'm like. So, because it's in its nascent stages, mm. yeah, you know, like the people will argue, oh, well, the cost will come down when we, you know, when right, we, right, you right. know, develop this technology further. But it requires. I mean, we can look at money. a photo of it right right now. This isn't, you know, no matter how much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. That is intense.
1: I am looking at just like aisles, if you will, of just. Like flower beds. It looks, it looks like, like that
0: scene in The Matrix when Neo is being sucked out of the like the tube of human egg babies, <laughs> but like plant version. Right, right. But it's super high tech, and I can't imagine a version That's of this very that high is tech. yeah. And, and because it's in, inherently high tech,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yes, will the cost of some of those individual components go down? Some, yeah, probably. Totally.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it
0: yeah. seems like for me, this becomes a way that you can feed some wealthy
1: people right right some some people but not really the ones that are in need necessarily yeah uh that's just that's just not also not what i thought vertical farming looked like right um yeah we will have to include a, a link to uh one of these pictures for you guys but it's really interesting so doing some research on hydroponics basically the same thing is that it's too expensive Um, to just to do in general, um, as a real solution. Uh, what's interesting though, Ben, to your point of just like using only water and not using soil. The issue is, is that soil is still cheaper than doing hydroponics. Um, I know that there's um, like a few kitchens that, like restaurant kitchens, that are using hydroponics so that they can have really fresh, clearly local um, greens in their food. But now you're making me think then about like carrots and potatoes. Like, can we grow those in water? I don't think so because you. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, who... Me I, speaking as yes. forever <laughs> right. been here weighing in.
0: Definitely not. Right. My my upbringing in Westchester <laughs> has firmly instilled the idea this can't be done. Right, right. But it, I, it is, I mean, I, and so for me, it gets into this question of, Okay, well, so then what is the solution to feed Mm -hmm. that 9 billion people who are living 80% in cities without shipping food all over the world? And even if you are shipping food all over the world, I mean, you know, Malthus's curve, we may have fought for a bit with GMO and other Mm -hmm. things, but there comes a point where you just have too many people and you don't have enough farmland. Yeah. Um, and, you know, given the, you know, the changes that climate change is going to wreak on, you know, the amount of arable land that we're already seeing in places, exactly. you know, people talk about, you know, the ways that, you know, climate change wreaked havoc in Syria as a, mm-hmm. you know, reason for part of why the Syrian civil war is happening right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that process is only going to become more and more exas- exacerbated over the mm-hmm. next, you know, decades. And I think part of what it may uh, need is just an understanding like food is gonna be more expensive. Definitely more expensive. And like that cannot the burden of that cannot be borne by people who are who need
1: to eat. Right. Right. Like food cannot become a luxury
0: commodity (laughs) because that's gonna be a really shit world to live in.
1: Yeah. But I think that you know we need to be having more conversations about how we're gonna feed people. Mm -hmm. Um because a lot of these technological advances that we have that we're talking about that people are you know working on and advancing it's not necessarily going to be the answer. And I think we're really used to kind of thinking that there's going to be some natural catastrophe and that we're not going to have enough food and then we kind of figure it out or I, or you just don't hear about it. Right. I'm sure that there are plenty of, um, even in the United States, there's plenty of people that are going hungry and own houses and, you know, it's massive. Um, but I, I, don't feel like we're talking about this enough yeah, I'm really one is, just one in
0: two, two New, New York. York State kids in schools food insecure. One in two, that's that's fucking it's wild. Just,
1: it's, cra- it's crazy. Um,
0: and the the time to be thinking about how you're going to feed people is not when everyone is hungry, which is already right. increasingly where we are right. approaching. Right,
1: right, yeah. Um, we need to be talking about it right now. But if
0: you're going to do something like vertical farming, it can't just be a private industry thing because mm-hmm. then it's going to become food for for people who have means to afford food. And that's already where we are now. Right now. And yeah. f- the food that we are eating now is far cheaper than what would be produced if you were in a world where, you know, vertical farming became one of the only means that you could really produce mm-hmm. food in any kind of, you know, uh, real quantity and get get it to people who need it. Yeah. And so yeah. like, if that is going to be a solution, then it needs to be a, a federal solution. It needs mm-hmm. to be, you know, like a massive public investment in, right. you know, federal food Provisions. Right or a global investment
1: yeah, yeah which well, it's funny, sounds and I, very it, hard to manage it had,
0: it had me thinking about uh the bible because <laughs> that's I mean, that's what i do a you lot. are a minister um but yeah there's so there the whole you, you're familiar with the story of joseph
1: no
0: so so joseph yeah so joseph joseph uh is uh you know sold into slavery by his brothers as it so often happens in the Bible. And he goes to Egypt and he eventually, you know, ends up working his way, you know, up through, you know, the Pharaoh's court and, you know, becomes a one of the Pharaoh's, you know, right-hand advisors. And, you know, to cut a long story short, the way he does it is he he solves the solution to the famine. And, you know, like the Egyptian state, you know, in the Bible telling of the story, who knows, you know, the historical veracity. But, you know, in the biblical telling, you know, he becomes so important because he, you know, saves all of this food because mm. he has this vision of, oh, there's going to be all these years of of scarcity coming on. Right. And so we need to, you know, in these years of plenty, you know, uh, gather all this grain. And so then they do that. And then, you know, sure enough, the years of famine that he, you know, had envisioned come mm. come to pass. And then they're able to, to live and exist because they have all this grain stored up. Yeah. Um, and it seems like we are in that point right now where we are in you know perhaps some of the last few years of like legitimate plenty that we may have for quite some time
1: right right.
0: um and instead of building storehouses (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Look at look at what we're doing. <laughs> we're not doing it. We're not doing that.
0: And so I feel yeah. like somebody's got to got to be like the Joseph right now. It was it was like telling governments like we need to be figuring out how to feed people. Yeah. In the quantities that are going to be required, in, in, with the you know constraints, the physical constraints and limitations that mm-hmm. you know a world bereft by climate change is going right. to experience. Right.
1: Right. right. I think it's so, I think we're having a challenging time even talking about um, food and food insecurity because as a global community, we can't even agree on climate change, which isn't, I mean, in terms of like governments supporting it, i.e. And I mean, we I'd can't even
0: like, agree that people have the right to eat. You know, people exactly. are talking about, oh, like food stamps, like how dare those lazy right, people, like right. how dare they want to eat food?
1: Oh, you're How country? dare poor people
0: think that they should get to eat just like rich people get to eat? And so, like, if, if right now, in this time of incredible plenty, when we could totally f- afford to feed all the people, totally. no problem at all. Right. We can't even agree to feed all the people. You know, what is this? What, what, what's uh, going what's what's gonna gonna ha- to
1: happen when we have even less resources exactly. on a global level? And
0: if you don't start being intentional about those kinds right. of choices now, there ain't no way it's going to happen when totally. people are stabbing each other in Trader Joe's.
1: Yeah, which we're, we're going to get to. I, it's just... I'm now having, like, all of these, like, dystopia thoughts because I'm just thinking about the cost of food, the cost of water, and eventually the cost of air, right? Because it's like, you know, we have resources right now, but then... You know, to even talk about the quality of those resources, right, and the access to those resources and who's allowed to eat and who's allowed to eat what food, right? I mean, if we're talking about food deserts and how there's just massive amounts of areas in the United States where people do not have access to healthy, fresh food, and the only option that they do have is going to McDonald's, going to KFC, And eating food that is not only genetically modified, but I mean,
0: France we right, right all, no nutrients, but so. also
1: you know factory farming, which is could be yeah. a whole other conversation. Um, and that's the food that you get to eat.
0: Yeah, and so like my sense is that like somewhere in here, like technology is going to have to play a role it has in. To. In feeding, in feeding people in the same right. way that it always has, you know, mm-hmm. in the same way that we have historically as humans been very ingenious about, you know, coming up with technological tweaks that allowed us to uh, feed more and more people as population right. has continued to expand. And we've, you know, faced all sorts of environmental challenges. So, mm-hmm. you know, here's a place where, you know, that, that fast forward
1: technological
0: curve it, it does play to our benefits. Yep. But the problems we're facing are also increasing exponentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if Mm -hmm. we're not actually, you know, investing in the right kinds of technology, if we're not, you know, being intentional about how we do things, we're just building super snazzy warehouses full of lettuce while we wait for people to starve.
1: Right. That's, wow. Grim, but true. (laughs) But true. Welcome to Ben and Rachel's Happy Fun Story (laughs) Hour. (laughs) Well, welcome, welcome to Fast Forward, where we talk about the future Where we make you and sad. Our <laughs> right. It's part
0: science show, part therapy, for us, not for you. You need therapy. Go to therapy. We all,
1: yeah, we all need therapy. We're gonna do a therapy plug. Yes, very strongly agree. I think so I'm like I need to a session on, after this. Yeah, right? ready to <laughs> rule on vertical farming. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, that's my my thing. So I'll, I'll go first. You do um, So. Yeah, uh, I came into vertical farming, went into doing my, my reading about it this week, super jazzed about vertical farming, and I left somewhat dispirited. And I mm. I still feel like vertical farming is the only way that we are going to be able to feed people, but I also have a hard time envisioning how that's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I guess I'm for vertical farming and sad. <laughs>
1: You're allowed to vote that way. You are allowed to vote that way. <laughs> there are no rules on Fast Forward. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm still looking at these picture, this picture of <laughs> the, just aisles upon aisles. And, you know, I'm just thinking if we could invest in it and have these, like, floating vertical farms in the ocean um, using, like you know, just creating this really amazing like ecosystem of taking the water from the ocean and like, what is the word? Desalination, Desalination. right? Putting it into the plants and then, you know, good going on little carts back to mainland. I don't know. In my, in my mind, it's a, it's a fantasy land, clearly. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I would love if vertical farming could work. Um, especially since we, as we just discussed, are running into so many issues with food scarcity. Um, but it just sounds like it's, sounds like it's not for me. Like I, I don't know if I would ever get a fruit or vegetable that was vertically farmed. Uh, And that, that's not cool. So, I don't know. I I guess thumbs up, but we need to, like, figure something out.
0: Thumbs up, but I'm living on a commune. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) Thumbs up, but I might never eat anything from one. Um, I mean, the other thing I was thinking about with that is just that, like, maybe it's time for us to not all live in cities. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, totally. I mean, also, but if we really think about it safety-wise. Food scarcity-wise, it's probably not the best plan. Let's all gather together. Wait, should we all just live in a commune? Maybe. Maybe. Will we have Wi-Fi? (laughs) Next (laughs) week, Ben and Rachel play in our commune. (laughs) (laughs) We will have Wi-Fi. Uh, Okay, and then, very quickly, uh, hydroponics. I don't feel like there's any real downside other than... It, it's the same thing with vertical farming, like it's expensive, um, and not everyone can do it. And there's only so many foods uh, that we can grow through hydroponics. But I think it sounds pretty good to me. It has my thumbs up. Um, there was some some different ideas when I was doing my research around um, hydroponic, like greenhouses... That would like use the heat from the sun to also power it, um, and I feel like that's kind of where we have to go with this thinking around like advances in the food space. Some it's like
0: self-contained ecosystem, exactly.
1: Some type of ecosystem where like thing like there's different elements that are feeding into each other um, to create like clean water, clean energy, different things like that. I mean, I feel like that's the only way that it will work in a sustainable manner. But Seems we have like to get their the solutions
0: to these things. are like, what if we could create the Earth we had before we we destroyed we it? it? <laughs> it's
1: too late, Ben. It's too late. Mother Earth is real angry. <laughs> She's so angry at us. Yeah. Um. Hydroponics? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Yeah, I mean,
0: I feel about the same way that I do about vertical farming. Yeah, it's like,
1: yeah, it's cool. I don't know if it's gonna work, but <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: we'll see. I guess. Yeah. So to, to close, I, I thought I'd, I'd update y'all on, you know, so now, so this, the story I opened with about McDonald's happened a, a few weeks ago, and uh, as is my want, I have returned to McDonald's several times since then, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the screens, <laughs> and I feel bad about it, but like, I go there, I don't have to talk to anyone, I have my headphones in, I push my orders on the screen, when it comes out, it's, it's always right. Nobody put the wrong orders in because I put them in uh, and I like it and I more and more the way that I'm feeling about it is that like my enjoyment should not be what's driving how McDonald's operates or how, you right. know, we do things in general. It's, you know, It's become sort of like a larger reflection on like we are doing so many things because it. It, because of people's satisfaction. Right. Because it makes right. people happy. It makes me feel one way. It makes, you know... You know,
1: instant gratification. Yeah. Customer
0: right? satisfaction. Mm. and I actually don't think customer satisfaction is a great way to do any kind of, like, large-scale planning. Right. Sometimes people need to deal with shit.
1: Yeah, Sometimes because people... you're really only thinking about yourself. Yeah. You know, uh, when it comes to, like, are you satisfied as a customer? Yeah. You know, did you get your shit? Yeah, and, yes and, or and no? maybe
0: somebody being able to, to afford a, you know... To work and live Mm -hmm. is of greater value than me always getting exactly the right order. Like, oh, they left the mayo on this time. (laughs) Like, well, that person should go hungry. You know, like that's like the one to one does not work out. You know, and so I I feel like that's increasingly where I'm feeling about all of this. You Mm -hmm. know, GMOs, vertical farming, so much of it's driven by emotion, by, you know, GMOs, it's driven by our fears. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. so the one side is driven by profit. Yes. But on the, like, the
1: Receiving, customer,
0: our experience yeah. of just going through the world, it's a lot of it's just driven by yeah. consumer emotion. You yeah. know, we're scared of GMOs. Vertical vertical farming looks cool. Yeah. And I don't think that any of those are the <laughs> variables that should be deciding whether things right. happen or not.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No. And
0: I don't know that government is really any better at making those choices right now than we no. are. I think that they are mm-hmm. largely, and partly because, you know, government's driven by people's, you know, fears and reactions. So when, yeah. you know, policymakers get a whole bunch of people saying, I'm scared of GMOs. I want you to label them or whatever. Then they say, okay, well, we're going to do that because that's right, what right. you're asking for. Because there
1: was enough people like, yelling um, and screaming. Who were, yeah, who were mad. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I, I think there's going to come a point where we need to realize that uh, things are changing very, very quickly mm-hmm. and people's reactions emotionally to them may not be the best roadmap for where we need to go.
1: Right. I think to your point, like we have to start thinking in this collective consciousness mindset because otherwise there's not going to be enough food. (laughs) Like we might not be here. Right. I mean, there's, there's already a lot of people that do not have enough food, right? Like today, right now, uh, 2019, there's not enough people. There's not enough people that are full. Yeah. You know, uh, even when there is enough food, like we have enough food to feed everyone
0: and people are not full.
1: Yeah. Right now. (laughs) Uh, no, but I, I completely agree that, you know, this, consumerism aspect to you know whether or not something is right for us or whether or not something should continue like we just can't think that way I think it's almost like if you're not thinking about your neighbor and how that affects them and their family then we can't we can't be making these decisions on an individual basis um I don't know it just makes me sad I don't know. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Fast Forward and being sad with us.
1: (laughs) More next time. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fast Forward. As a reminder, what we've shared today are our own personal
0: opinions and some of our jokes. But not expert-level information. So as always, please do your own research. And remember, please base no life or death decisions on our ramblings. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you
1: listen to your podcasts. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for the next episode.